Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Sports Travel Podcast. I'm Jason Gewertz, the editor and publisher of Sports Travel, and I'm excited to have our guest today, Alex Hertel, co-founder of Experial, which, as we'll hear, is doing some next-level thinking when it comes to the spectator experience at live sports events. It's a conversation that may have you rethinking what your event is offering its attendees and what sports events may look like in the future. But before we get to the conversation, this podcast is being sponsored by the Teams Conference and Expo, the world's largest gathering of sports event organizers and the destinations and suppliers that serve the sports event industry. Teams 19 will be held at the Anaheim Convention Center in Anaheim, California, November 11th through the 14th. And this year's conference will once again feature the co-location of the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee's SportsLink and NGB Best Practices Seminars, as well as the annual Symposium of the National Congress of State Games. And in something that's relevant to this episode of our podcast series, we'll also have a breakout session on Wednesday, November 13th on the topic of technology and sports that will feature our guest on this episode. For more information about Teams and all that's in store in Anaheim, visit teamsconference.com. And now, on to the podcast. Alex Hertel's company, Experial, is doing some amazing things when it comes to technology at live events. I think we can all agree that for today's generation of sports fans, and certainly tomorrow's generations of sports fans, simply going to the event to watch the action on the field is no longer enough to keep people interested in attending and coming back for more. Uh, smartphones have not only changed our day-to-day lives, they've changed the way we take in sports as well. And now, thanks to some of the work that Alex and his team are doing, there are new ways to engage with the action on the court or the field or whatever venue you might be in. Predictive gaming, where you guess what's going to happen next and possibly earn prizes based on the results, is here. And it's quite possibly a baby step into what the experience will be like when legalized gambling becomes a reality at most professional sports venues. And in using augmented reality, fans can now point their phones or mobile devices at an arena or stadium scoreboard where a whole other game is taking place as well. As Alex says, we're in the infant stages of this revolution that's changing the spectator experience, but it's already here. And in this conversation, you'll hear more about what he means by that. We hope you enjoy the discussion. Alex Hertel, welcome to the Sports Travel Podcast. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, great to be here. You know, I'm looking forward to this discussion, Alex, because I think most people would agree that the spectator experience at live sports events is changing. And I think what people expect out of their experience is changing. And even what they expect to encounter once they get to a stadium or an arena is changing. And Experial, your company, is really at the center of this kind of rapidly evolving landscape. So I think to start the discussion, Alex, maybe it would make some sense to chat a little bit about your company, Experial, and kind of how it began and what it is you're doing in the space. And then we'll dive a little bit into the the details of what you have cooking at some of the arenas and stadiums around the country. So tell us a little bit about Experial and what it is exactly that you do. Sure. So Experial is a Silicon Valley-based tech company. Um, my brother Philip and I are the co-founders. He's the CTO. I'm the CEO. We built a previous startup together called Walletto. So that was the first digital wallet and tap and pay on a smartphone that was acquired by Google. Uh, that became Google Wallet. Um, so we, we spent some time at Google there. And really, Experial is our, is our next big entrepreneurial adventure. And what we're building here, it's in a totally different space. It's not payments anymore. Here, this is much more immersive. So we're using these new emerging immersive technologies such as AR, VR, IoT, and we're using them to make the physical world much more digitally interactive. 
And stadiums are kind of perfect for this. The stadiums are always ahead of the curve, right? They've always got the best, newest in- installed hardware. There's just a lot of tech for us to get our teeth into. They, you know, a modern stadium has a huge jumbotron. They've got their eye beacons. They've got their ticket scans and their turnstiles and their cash registers. It's all connected. And so that's what Experial does is we take all of these different technologies, we merge them together in order to create an interactive experience for fans. And it's kind of like the idea that the, the stadium or the arena now becomes a giant video game console. And we can add a layer on top of the sporting event to make it much more interactive so that fans are no longer sort of engaging in the traditional couch potato experience, but they're actually actively involved in the game using these new immersive technologies like, like AR and IoT. So we can talk more about examples of that. That's kind of the, uh, the gist of it. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about that. You mentioned the Jumbotron. So how how exactly does this work? Yeah. So, well, there, there are many different types of experiences you can create. I'll, I'll talk about a couple of them. So one of them that we create is a, a predictive game. And it's a predictive game that allows fans to play along live with the action on the field or, or on the court. And the idea is that you're no longer just sitting passively watching the event, but you're but you're playing along, you're engaged. So it depends on the sport, of course, but you can now make predictions on what's going to happen. So so in basketball, you might be predicting who's going to be the top scorer this quarter or who, you know, who's going to get the most fouls or, or something like that. Uh, in football, you might be predicting who's going to score the next touchdown or is the current team with possession, are they going to score the touchdown? Uh, that kind of thing. And so this allows fans in real time to play along with, with the action. And this is usually surfaced to them inside the Teams app. Most of the teams out there have, have, an, have an app themselves. So and a lot of fans already have that app. So we just add this extra layer, this extra way to engage uh, for the fans. So that's kind of half the story on the predictive gaming part. The other, the other half is, is the, the brand side. So the other, what we're doing for the teams here is we're creating new sponsorship inventory. Like, so if a typical team has a lot of sponsors, they've already sold, you know, every square inch of everything they can possibly sell. And we're, we're showing up and we're, we've got something new. We've got, we're essentially creating new land that didn't exist before uh, that the team can now, now sell to their, their either existing or new sponsors. So in the, in the case of predictive gaming, a sponsor can now have a really strong interaction. So you might have Bud Light or, uh, or you know some kind of product that you have to now physically scan with your phone with the vision recognition to get an extra life uh, in your game so you can make more predictions. So the game is very much connected to the, the physical world that way. Specifically, again, to des- to create this new level of interaction uh, with with both the team and and with the brand. So that's one example is our predictive game. Uh, another one is our augmented reality T-shirt cannon. So here again, what we're doing is we're using new technology to engage fans in a tried and tested and true way. So, you know, everyone's kind of seen the the traditional version of a t-shirt cannon where the mascot goes out there and starts shooting t-shirts into the audience during halftime or something like that. This is the modern digital version of that. And what we've done is we've taken the jumbotron in the stadium and we've turned it into a giant virtual t-shirt cannon. So the fans can take their phones and they they aim them up at the the jumbotron and they see these virtual t-shirts being lobbed in at them. And they got to use their phones to catch them. And if they catch a virtual T-shirt, then they win a physical one. And they can go to the prize table and they can pick it up. And actually, we've, we've now partnered with, uh, with, with Amazon. So Amazon can ship those straight to your front door. And so this is, again, the, the idea being to engage with the next generation of fans, you have to use the next generation of technology. 
and augmented reality is a really good example of that, just to keep it all fresh and new and, and, and entertaining. And it's also much more democratic, right? With a with a traditional t-shirt cannon, if you're sitting in the upper deck, probably those t-shirts aren't going to reach you. Whereas with <laughs> this true. technology, you know, everyone can can play along. So, you know, those are just a couple of examples. We've got we've got a bunch more, but those are a couple of examples. They're very different, but I think with a common thread is the use of new technologies to kind of create an overlay on top of the traditional fan experience in order to make it much more engaging. And, and you know, and of course this is all from the, from the team's point of view, they're, they're all competing with it. Competition has never been as, as tough as, as today. So now they've got esports to compete with and, and, you know, and, and everything. So um, this is a way to keep things fresh and engage with the next generation. All right. Well, there, wow, there's a lot to unpack there. So let's talk a little bit about both of these examples on the predictive gaming and the augmented reality. So for starters, Alex, you are already doing this. This is not in theory. Uh, you've already got some of this technology at play with the uh, Sacramento Kings and the NBA and the uh, New York Jets and the NFL. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And so we've been working with them for the past few seasons. And, uh, and now we're actually expanding. We've, we've just signed several more teams, both in the NFL and the NBA and a couple of NCAA teams. I'm not at liberty to say, give, give the names yet, because that's not public, but, uh, but okay. that's going to be coming soon. And so what has the, uh, what's the feedback been? Let's, uh, let's say, let's start with basketball on the predictive gaming. So, uh, I go to a Kings game, I've got my phone and during the course of the game, I can, uh, I can predict what kind of shots may happen, what kind of score may be taking place by, how does it work by game, by quarter, by halftime? Yeah. Well, the different sports are they're they're diff- They have a, a different cadence, right? So football versus basketball, they have a, a different cadence in that football is punctuated by by more breaks in the action, whereas basketball is much more sort of fast paced, nonstop, and that affects the predictive game. So in the in the case of basketball, our predictive game it's it's not as real time as in football. So in in basketball, you're making predictions ahead of each quarter simply because. You know, it, it's everyone's moving so quickly on the court. It's really hard. You just your fingers can't move fast enough to yeah, say hard, hard to do it during a fast break. Exactly, As a player X Y Z is going to hit the next three pointer, right? That's it. You, you know, your fingers just can't move fast enough. Whereas in football, the real time aspect works. So we've built an engine there that is that is flexible enough to do both, like the real time types of predictions for football. Like for instance, is the team going to score a touchdown on this drive? You know, you can do that in real time and, and, and football there, your fingers can move fast enough to, to make that happen. Uh, whereas in, in basketball, it's more um, you make your predictions ahead of each quarter. Uh, so it's just the nature of the game. And, and you know, different sports have a different cadence and our, our engine is flexible enough to handle all of it, no, no matter what sport it is. Do you have any evidence of how many people in the stadium or in the arena are, are taking advantage of this and actually kind of playing along? Yeah, it's it's sort of in the in the tens of thousands. Uh, it's you know we haven't gotten into the the home audience yet, so that's sort of the next stage for us. Is that we want to bring the, the the stadium experience home as well, and make it interactive. And of course, there are many more fans at home watching on TV, whereas there's only you know a few tens of thousands of fans uh, inside the the stadium or, or the arena. So the next uh, the next push on our side will be to get this onto the broadcast and get this into the to the, the home audiences as well. Right. And I, I have to ask when we talk about predictive gaming, because it naturally begs the question, as you know, states around the country are starting to legalize sports gambling with real money. So let's be clear on kind of what's happening here You know, in these two examples. This is not uh, yet at least real money being wagered by people who are making these predictions. Is that right? It's At the moment, it's kind of fun and games? Yeah. 
Absolutely. Everything, everything we've done is free to play. So, you know, the, the writing is kind of on the wall in terms of the, the, the sports betting and the, you know, the Supreme Court made their big decision. So that has definitely helped us in terms of the interest that people have in this whole genre. Uh, but everything that we're doing is free to play. So everything we're doing is legal in every state immediately because there is no real money uh, attached to it. Now, from the, from the team's point of view and from the casino's point of view, you know, of, of course, they're looking at the longer term uh, opportunities here. And of course, there's going to be a lot of money to be made, but we're not in the in the business of, of, of sports betting. We're, we're doing the sort of fun to play, free to play uh, types of predictive games. Right. You get the sense that maybe around the corner, I mean, I, I, I think MGM is even uh, taking advantage of, we talked about sponsorship opportunities uh, as well. I know, I know they've been involved. Yeah, that's right. MGM has sponsored both uh, our, our Kings as well as our Jets activations. So, they, you know, which makes a lot of sense as well. Right. I mean, Alex, you get the sense there is a market there, even for you guys. Uh, once you know, we really start seeing the uh, actual gambling start taking place, probably at, in arena. Yeah, certainly. You know, at the very least, what we've built here are the training wheels for that coming world. So you know, keep making sure that right now we're learning. Right, we have our product in the market, even in states where gamb- sports betting isn't legal yet. What we're doing is we're, we're learning a lot about what works, what doesn't work, what do fans like, what don't they like. So that will take the guesswork out of it when, when it finally is uh, legalized in these different, different states. So a lot of this is about learning and, and gathering data to be ahead of the curve uh, so that these teams and, and the casinos are ready when, when it finally happens. Interesting. And so let's talk about the augmented reality as well. You, you described the, the virtual T-shirt cannon, which uh, I think is just a safer bet for mascots everywhere to uh, not have to worry about uh, firing mm-hmm. anything into the crowd. But uh, explain a little more about kind of how that's uh, how that's playing out in the uh, yeah. in the arena and what uh, you know what kind of feedback you're getting from fans on that. Yeah, that's another really flexible one. So there again, we've we've built an engine to make it easy to to customize it for the brand and, and for the sponsor. So, for instance, with the New York Jets, what we did is uh, we we, did, we ran a T-shirt cannon where people could win win T-shirts. But then we we also built a version for Bud Light, and uh, and there instead of launching T-shirts out into the audience, we were launching bottles of beer. And so these were, of course, this wasn't this wasn't real beer. This was virtual beer that we were launching, and it you know really made a lot of sense for for the demographic there. <clears throat> now the the interesting thing there is. Through the magic of augmented reality, you can just do things that simply weren't possible previously, right? So, like the, the lawyers would never let you launch physical cans of beer into the audience. For, they won't for even also, let you keep the cap on your water at the stadium, right? Yeah, and, and for good reason. You know, they're they're absolutely right in not allowing that, right? But through with augmented reality, you're shooting virtual cans out of your jumbotron, and then the fans are catching it. And these these cans have no mass, so they, they can't hurt anybody. They have there's no liability attached to that. There's you know there's not a single drop of alcohol in in them, so the same liquor laws don't apply. And you know of course there are other liquor laws, and you you still have an age gate on there so that kids aren't playing it and, and so on. But it just it opens up the possibilities of and just, just things that that weren't even thinkable before, possible before. We can we can now do them through through the through these new technologies. Well, what are what are the limits, Alex? You know, if I'm a venue out there interested in 
providing some of this cool stuff that you're talking about. Let's say the virtual t-shirt cannon out of my, uh, out of my Jumbotron or even the technology behind the predictive gaming. What does a, how does it work? What does a venue need going in? I mean, do they need a certain amount of technology infrastructure to pull this off? Uh, yes and no. So there's, there are certainly minimum levels that are required. So I've, you know, I'm sure you've been to, to stadiums before where you can't even send a text message. So you're not connected at all, right? So, you know, we, we do need some minimal level of infrastructure and Wi-Fi and, and connectivity uh, in, inside the stadium just so that you can connect and, and download it and, and be part of it. But actually, we've designed this to be, to be quite light, lightweight. And, uh, you know, as long as fans in the stadium have reasonable connectivity, this is all going to work. And then for the, for the venues that have impressive connectivity, I would, I would point to the Sacramento Kings as being a good example of that Golden One Center there in Sacramento is a, mm-hmm. is a brand new building. It's got you know, impressive bandwidth. So there we can, of course, do much more. But the, the, the basic product works quite well, even on stadiums that aren't cutting edge. So we, we designed it that way just to make sure that we weren't uh, limiting the market to ourselves too much. Right. And let's talk about that market. I mean, we talked about two examples here in professional sports with the uh, Kings and the Jets, and sounds like you have some other things coming down the line here with some other teams. How far can this expand? I mean, are you yet in the collegiate space? Could you envision uh, any of this going there? Yeah, we're working with a a couple of NCAA uh, teams right now and major universities across the country. And, you know, there's really no limits in terms of the, the creativity here might be the bottleneck, right? Where you can, you can customize these, you can apply them to, to basically anything, right? Like predictive gaming is an extremely broad uh, category and, and the ability to predict, you could really apply it anywhere. It doesn't even have to be sports. This could be in entertainment. You could be applying it to television or the Grammys or the Oscars or, 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 mm-hmm. or you name it, or, or, you know, it could be interactive for a rock concert where the fans could be voting for which which encore song that the artist should be playing, right? So the, all of this technology is very flexible, and it, it can be used in, in many different verticals for many different entertainment reasons, you know, sports and esports and rock concerts, or you know, even shopping malls or or, or 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 grocery stores. You can use it to make the physical space much more digitally interactive. And we, we really think that with these new emerging technologies, especially with with augmented reality and with the Internet of Things. This is really going to usher in a, a new golden era uh, of experience where suddenly the, the physical world is going to have this overlay. It's going to be it's going to be painted with these digital experiences. Uh, and that's just never really happened before. The technology never existed before. But having this overlay, this digital overlay in the, in the physical world to make the make it all much more entertaining and interactive. I think it's going to be really interesting. And to, then to provide the tools to the creative people so that they can really go to town on this and, and get creative and do things that we could never even imagine. That's another big part of what, of what we're building as well. Yeah. I, I mean, to get a little uh, more macro, I guess, in the in the discussion here, I, I, I'm getting the sense just, uh, you know, attending sporting events. I have a nine-year-old son as well, who I bring to events and, you know, I watch his experience at these things compared to the nine-year-old version of myself, uh, you know, going to games where 
going to the game was enough. I mean, there weren't any options yeah. really to do any of this cool stuff that you're talking about. But I don't think it's just nine-year-olds. I think it seems to me we're kind of reaching this tipping point here where simply going to the events may not be enough to, you know, if you're a team or if you're a sports organization to bring people in, uh, you've got to do more things. I, I imagine you'd probably agree with that sentiment at this point. Yeah, no, and, and, and I think it's interesting to get into the details of, of why, right? And so people often sort of cite that it's attention spans that are shrinking, but but I actually don't think that's the case. I think that, that humans still have plenty of, of attention span. I think what's happening, though, is that the world is just becoming much more competitive, and it means that the consumer is becoming much more demanding. And especially when we look at these next generations, like millennials and Gen Z, they in particular... They, they grew up with video game controllers in their hands, and they've sort of been amped up on these very high fidelity experiences in, in video games and, and movies and elsewhere. And that was something that their grandparents didn't have, right? So their grandparents just weren't as demanding. So I think that's really what's going on here, is that the consumer has become much more demanding and that the industry just needs to keep up with that and to, to compete. And really, the only way to do that is, is through technology. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, speaking of competition, there are others out there as well. I mean, how how competitive is this space? I know you know Russell Wilson's invested in a company that I think just made some deals with a few other NFL teams on the predictive gaming front. Are you uh, you guys were you know out there right at the very beginning and obviously are still going strong? But um, what's your sense on the on your own competition in this space? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly becoming more more popular and it's heating up in, in no small part, I think, to the reason that we mentioned previously was the, the sports betting and the, and the Supreme Court decision there. So I think a lot of people see a lot of opportunities there. So I think that's why the space is heating up. Uh, you know, the big big difference with us is that, you know, A, we have the experience. We, we've been in the market for, for several years now and, and we know what we're doing. We've kind of perfected the product there. But B, we're, we're, we're doing more than just the predictive gaming, right? What, what we, we're looking at it much more holistically. So the, the t-shirt cannon that I mentioned to you, for instance, the predictive game and the t-shirt cannon don't live in isolation from each other. They're, they're actually connected, right? And, the, the, you know, let's say you have five different experiences running in the stadium. It's really our philosophy is to connect them all, create a holistic experience around the entire stadium where each part of it is mutually reinforcing and feeding off the other parts. And every part becomes an on-ramp to every other part. And so if you do that, then you're, you're playing your predictive game. And when you catch your t-shirts in, in, the, in the augmented reality t-shirt canon, you also get credits, which then feed back into your predictive game you know, and vice versa. So we're looking at things much more holistically, and we haven't seen anyone else doing that. So I think that, that's a big difference here. Yeah, I, I would agree. Where else are you uh, kind of applying this technology, Alex? Are you uh, entirely in sports? Are you, are you doing this in other industries as well at this point? Getting into to eSports as well, like all of the, um, all the applications that we have for sports apply just as well to eSports, if, if not better, right? So, you know, if you go to a typical eSports match, something like 98% of the audience, they're all, they're all gamers themselves, mm-hmm. right? So they're kind of a, a fish in water type situation. And really everywhere we've, uh, we, we're, we've, we've designed our platform to be massively horizontal. We, we started off in pro sports, but we always knew that we were going to go beyond that. So now we're, we're getting into Vegas, uh, starting to talk to shopping malls and, and, and theme parks. So 
uh, music festival. So this is uh, this is always designed to be to be larger than sports, but that's always kind of been our our, our go to market vertical, and that's where we've made the, the most sort of product advancement. And that's a, a vertical, of course, is is near and dear to our hearts for for those reasons. How does predictive gaming work in the shopping mall? Uh, is someone going to buy the jeans or the sweater? Yeah, right. Well, well, you don't necessarily doing the predictive gaming, but there's a lot of digital signage, and mm-hmm. so the same technology that we use for our jumbotron uh, may, can be applied in, in the shopping malls. Interesting. And here's a crazy thought on on the sports level, Alex. And we talked about the collegiate space and you know esports and some of these other areas you can go. Could you envision a world where this goes down to the youth sports level? I mean, w- could there be some fun and games just between parents of their uh, five year old yeah. soccer game that they're you know having to sit through? <laughs> Yeah, actually, uh, definitely. They, they, that's actually how we've designed our platform as well. Like, you know, that's not our first use case, but the the platform that we've created actually makes it very easy to build these types of experiences. So sort of underlying everything I've been talking about is, uh, you know, I don't, and I don't want to do too much of a technology deep dive here, but we've created a whole new programming language. And the programming language is designed for this world. When, when we started this adventure, we quickly realized the tools didn't exist for building the world that, that we want to see. And so we had to create those tools. And, and what we did is we, we created a programming language, which is entirely graphical in nature. And so you don't write your code, you draw your code. So th- this is a programming language that's designed for designers. It's designed for marketers. It's designed for product managers. So people who are intelligent, but maybe don't have a technical background. So normally, under normal circumstances, they wouldn't be able to build anything. But what we've done with this new programming language called Pebbles is that we're, we're, we're taking regular civilians without a technical background, and they're building these things. So everything I've been talking about with the, with the professional NFL and, and NBA sports teams that, have, that I've mentioned, all of that was built by our creative team, uh, and it wasn't built by engineers. So that's a, another sort of big part of, of, the, of the, our secret sauce there. And to your, to, finally, to answer your question, you know, where this is ultimately going is we're going to release the, the platform to the, the public. And then if there is sort of a youth soccer league, and if they want to build their own little version of this, and they've got a couple of people, and they don't even have to be engineers, a couple of people who maybe have some creative skills and put some graphics up there, uh, they could even launch this for the little league version of, 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 of sports. So, you know, we've, we've designed all this to be as, as broadly applicable as, as possible. And, uh, and we're looking forward to seeing that as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's super interesting, uh, you know, and and maybe this would be a good place to kind of wrap things up. But uh, you know, I'm curious, Alex, and I know it's always hard to predict, but I mean, I do think you're on the tip of something here for sure. And I wonder, five years from now, you know, if we had this conversation, what you see that landscape looking like? I mean, could you envision this technology just becoming sort of a baseline standard for you know at least professional sports venues uh, in short order? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think I think that the landscape is definitely going to change. We're we're in the infant stages of this big revolution that's happening, this augmented reality, you know, Internet of Things revolution. This is just the beginning. And right now, um, the the device that's being used to consume all of this is the smartphone because everyone has a smartphone. But say like five, ten years from now, we're going to have wearables. We're going to have our augmented reality glasses that you'll be walking down the sidewalk wearing and the, and the whole world will be painted with data. It'll be painted with these experiences and it'll be ingested through your wearables rather than just your smartphone. I'm not saying the smartphone's necessarily going away, uh, but there will be new, better ways to, to in, in, engage with this physical digital world that, that's coming. 
Uh, so I think I think we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg right here. Yeah, well, all the more reason to be involved in shopping malls, I suppose, with all the wearables exactly on the road. Well, excellent, Alex. Uh, let's uh, for sure stay in touch on this. Uh, I think we should try and have this conversation again uh, in a couple of years, if not sooner, and kind of see where it's all at. But uh, you know, best of luck to you and uh, everything that you're doing, and we'll look forward to seeing some of the announcements down the road here with uh, the next teams to come. Yeah, no, would love love to keep the conversation going and ch- check in down down the road a little bit. And yeah, thank you for, for having me on again. This has uh, been great. This has been another episode of the Sports Travel Podcast. As a reminder, Alex Hertel will be one of several panelists talking about technology and sports at the Teams Conference in Anaheim, California this November. Visit teamsconference.com for more information. And stay tuned for our next edition of the Sports Travel Podcast, which will feature Kyle McLaughlin, the CEO of Tough Mudder, talking about the state of obstacle course races. Until then, this is Jason Gewertz for Sports Travel, and thanks for listening.